Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about story. And to start this talk on story, I want to tell you a story. Back when I was um, about 12 years old, I went to Montana with my family. We loaded up two RVs with my, my aunts and my uncles and my grandparents and my mom and dad. We loaded up six adults, six kids, six four-wheelers, and a lot of Pringles. And we drove two RVs from Amory, Mississippi to Cook City, Montana. Has anybody ever been to Cook City, Montana? Anybody? Okay, I didn't think so. There's like 600 people. That, I think it's actually population 200. It's like tiny town in the middle of nowhere. But we went to Cook City and it was beautiful. And on that trip, we actually went to Yellowstone National Park. We went to, we went and we were fishing in all kinds of trout ponds and hiking all over all kinds of mountains. And I was 12 and it was just, it was amazing. I loved it. It was one of my favorite vacations. But there was something that happened. Early on in the trip, my dad saw that my, my cousin was reading a book. And it was a book um, that was called uh, The Oath by Frank Peretti. Let me just share with you a summary of this book that he decided that we, she was going to read to us before our, our bedtime every night. Okay, so we're on this vacation. He thought it'd be cool if Amanda reads to us. Here's the summary of the book. A long forgotten oath. A town with a deadly secret. Something evil is at work in Hyde River an isolated mining town in the mountains of the Pacific Northwest. Do y'all know where we were at the time? We were right there, and actually literally in abandoned mining towns in the Pacific Northwest. Under the cover of darkness, a predator strikes without warning, taking life in the most chilling and savage fashion. Yeah, great bedtime story, right? That's exactly the bedtime story you wanna hear when you're in an abandoned mining town in the Pacific Northwest. Perfect, Dad. Thank you. It turns out Frank Peretti is actually like the Christian version of Stephen King. And so this was just charming, right? And so I learned something on that trip. I learned that story, a story like the oath, has the ability to change my perceptions of reality. Because when the shadows started coming down those mountains in the evening and we're riding the four-wheelers back to the RV camp, I started to imagine all kinds of things were in the shadows of those mountains. That if I hadn't heard the story, I wouldn't have imagined those things, right? The story was changing the way I was perceiving my reality. And I also noticed this at night when I would have to get up and go to the bathroom at the outhouse in the middle of the campground. Y'all, there were not enough flashlights in the world at that moment in time. Like, they just didn't exist. There were not enough. I, it was scary. And you've been there, okay? You know that moment after you watch that scary movie. When you get up and all the lights are off and you've got to go to the bathroom, what do you do? You turn on all of the lights, right? It's like, I know that monster is not there. Like, I know that that's impossible, but I still just need to turn the lights on, right? Because my perception of reality is a little off right now because of this story, right? Now, if you're also like me, you have to check behind the shower curtain. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The shower curtain's closed, and you just finished watching something scary. You got to know what's behind the shower curtain. What's funny, my brother and I used to, my sister had a my size Barbie. It was like four foot tall plastic Barbie. And we loved to put that thing in the shower and close the curtain. You'd hear somebody, ah! 
You just knew they had opened the shower curtain and Barbie had scared them to death. It was great. But story changes our perception of reality. It's powerful. Story, that, that is the power of story. Actually, we perceive all of our lives, all of our life through this lens of story. And storytelling, because of that, is an ancient art. I mean, you go back, the earliest things we have from ancient civilizations is their stories of how they got there. And they have stories about their origins. And we've passed down all these stories through oral traditions that eventually got wrote down. So storytelling is a long time thing. And, you know, then we have books. I don't even know how many books have been written. And now you say, well, I don't really read books. Well, you watch movies, right? That's what movies are, is they're stories. You know what's crazy? You know, what the, the, the movie industry is a $127 billion global industry. Y'all, that's crazy. That's crazy. I was looking, you know, wheat, like farmers that sell wheat. You know how much the global industry for farmers selling wheat is? It's $8 billion, okay? Think about that. Think about that, $127 billion. That is a lot of money. That's crazy. But it's because we love stories. We love it. I could ask you your favorite movie right now or something that you're watching. Most of us could tell us you have a story that you're involved in. My wife just finished like this long series of, of audiobooks, and the writer hasn't finished the series yet. And she's like, he needs to write that book like right now because I need to know what happens in this story, right? We love story. But it's because we perceive our lives through story. It gets inside of us. It's the way we do it. We think of, you know, at the end of our life, we think of the story of our life, right? And right now, you might not realize it, but you're writing your story right now. Being in this room, you have a story that's being written. He has a story that is being written as well. And that story is, I need something big time, right? We all, but we're in this room, and actually, our stories are intertwining right now, right? Like... You're the main character of your story. Think about that. You're the main character of your story. I'm the main character of my story. You're a supporting actor in my story, right? Like you're the one of the supporting cast. You're somebody I know, you're somebody involved with, but I am the main character and everybody, the person sitting next to you, they have this own world that they live in. Does that ever blow your mind? I remember being as a kid, I was, I was like get really existential and I would just think about the fact they have their own thing going on and they have their own thing going on, and they're looking at me in the same way that I'm looking at them, and I have my own thing going on, and it's just like, oh my goodness, we all have these stories, and we all have this, this thing that we've built up. What's crazy is, when you're in the moment, you don't perceive it as a story, right? Like right now, I say you're writing your story, and you don't, you're not like, oh yeah, this is a story, no. But when you leave here, and somebody says, how is church? You're gonna say, well, church was, the worship was awesome. The preaching was the shortest I've ever heard in my life, right? Um, So we have this story that we tell when things become past events, but we're in the moment. We don't perceive it as being a story, but it still is. Right now is part of your story. Actually, I was recently watching a movie. Uh, it was this new movie, Black Widow, that came out from Marvel, right? And uh, okay, a few fans, I hear you, okay. And I was actually writing this sermon while we were watching it, because I do weird things like that. And so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I hear the two main characters. There's two sisters that have been estranged from birth, and they're coming back together, and they're getting to know each other. And one of them looks at the other, and she says, what's your story? What's your story? What does she mean? She says, tell me how you got here. What is your story? And the other character responded. She said, you know... I don't know because I've never let myself be alone long enough to really think about it. I don't really know how I got here. I don't really know how I wound up here. And so what I want us to do today, 
I just want to ask you the question, what's your story? I want us to take that time to pause long enough to say, okay, where am I at in my story? Where am I going in my story? And as we begin to talk about story, I want to share with you, anytime you have a story, there's two really main elements you have to have. You have to have a character, okay? And in your story, guess what? You're the character, you're the main character, like we talked about. And then you have to have a desired outcome. You've got to have a destination, a place that you're going, something that you want, right? And so you have this character and you have this desired outcome, okay? Somebody name a movie for me, anybody, I don't care who it is. Wow, I heard 10 things. I had no idea what they were. Okay, again, any, any, it's, name, it, it's a Wonderful Life. Okay, great movie. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. You have George, right? Actually, I've only seen it once. I watched it for the first time last Christmas, and it was amazing. But you have, you have George, right? That's his name? Yeah, George. And what does George want? George wants, he wants a wonderful life. He does. Yeah, that's a good point. But George wants to help the people of his community, right? If you remember the story, he wants to, he's this banker and he wants to make all these loans to these people and he does that. But then these people come and they try to wreck his life. This big bank comes in and they try to wreck his life. And George gets so frustrated with life. He's in this rat race. He starts putting his kids second. He starts putting his wife second. He starts forgetting about all the people that he really cared about and made his life wonderful to begin with. And he begins to doubt whether he should live his life and so he questions it, and then he gets to this point, he's about to commit suicide. And then there's an angelic intervention, and he shows him what the world would look like if it existed without George in it. And he realizes, you know what? I make a difference. He realizes I have a purpose, and my purpose is to help all these amazing people around me. And he comes back, and he falls in love with the things that he had to begin with. And so George then has this wonderful life because he realizes his own significance. Now, I went through that story off the cuff, by the way. <laughs> we didn't plan that, right? Um, yeah, well, thank you. Uh, but you see, there's this character, and he wants something, and then he has to overcome all of these things to get it. And that's why we love the stories, because that's us. We have, we're the character, and we're trying to go somewhere. We're trying to lock in somewhere. We're going somewhere. And so the question is, what's your story? Where are you trying to go? What's your destination? And for a lot of us, we get caught up in the same things George got caught up in. He wants the money, and he wants, he wants the success, and he, wants, he gets caught up in these desiring these things. But the thing is, people that have a lot of money, people that have what we call autonomy, autonomy is where you can do anything you want to at any time. You don't have to answer to anybody. And a lot of our society gets caught up in trying to get this thing. But the thing is, the further you go into that, you just wind up empty, you know, there's so many people that have all the money in the world and they're empty on the inside. There's so many people that have all the friends and the popularity and they have, you know, millions of followers, people that pay attention to them and they just feel empty on the inside. So if we can't chase after those things, if those aren't really the destination, you know, because they get to that destination and they say, I just feel so empty. I thought this thing was going to fill me up, but I feel so empty. If that's the case, then what should we be living for? What should be our destination? And how can we make sure that we're going in the right direction to begin with? And to, to answer those questions, I want us to look today, I'm gonna to take you to two passages of scripture. The first one is the book of Proverbs. And then we're gonna look at a story that Jesus told at the end of the sermon today. 
But the first is the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is a wisdom book written by men named Solomon. He was the king of Israel, and uh, as the story goes, he prayed to God that he would give. God said, I will give you anything you want, and he said, I want wisdom. And so God downloaded to Solomon all of this wisdom. And so it's through Solomon that we have this book of Proverbs, and there's some other writers in the book of Proverbs, but this right here, people believe that Solomon wrote this, and it's really amazing. What's funny about the story of Pro- I mean, the book of Proverbs is when I was a little kid, my mom would sit us down before bed sometimes. And she'd say, okay, we're going to do a Bible study. And she would open the book of Proverbs and find one that really spoke to what we were dealing with, me and my brother. And she would think she was so sneaky, but we knew it's like, okay, mom, you're preaching to us right before bed with the Bible. Okay, we get it. But that's what Proverbs does. It will preach to you hard. And I hope that, I hope that you take these scriptures to heart. Proverbs 14 verse eight says this, the prudent Prudence is a fancy word for wise, okay? The wise understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. The wise person, they know their destination. They know where they're heading, but the fool deceives themselves. And I want you to think about that. The fool, it's not about deceiving other people. They think they're deceiving other people, right? They think they've got it all figured out. They think they got all this. But the fool actually is really tricking themselves. And what I want you to realize today, I've just got really one main point today, and that's this, that your decisions determine your destiny. Every decision that you make is going to drive you toward your destiny. That's just it. Every decision you make writes a page of your life. And the wise know where they're going and they're going to base their decisions on where they're going, but the fool just constantly deceives themselves. Your decisions determine your destiny. And the funny thing about the word destiny is it's based on the word destination, but we think of destiny as this place that you can't escape from. It's your destiny, right? I am destined for this destiny, right? Like I've got, but the, the thing is this, That's not actually true. You're not destined for this destiny. You're actually destined for whatever your decisions are leading you towards. That's your destiny. So your decisions determine your destiny. Can you say that with me? Decisions determine destiny. But we love to deceive ourselves. It's like, I know that I would love to have a lot of savings and I would love to have some financial security but I really need this boat. Like, I really need this, right? And I'm deceiving myself and thinking this, or I'm thinking, you know, I deserve this. I've been really good. I've been really good. So I deserve to get off the hook and I can have this little pet sin and I can just have this little thing that it's okay because I deserve it. I've been really good in all these other areas of my life. So I'm just gonna keep this one little thing. I deserve this. I can't tell you how many times I've told myself that lie. I deserve this. I deserve this, I need this, I can't live without this, and I'm deceiving myself. I'm not basing my decisions on my destination, I'm basing it on how I feel in the moment. I have been the fool. Verse 12, so we're gonna skip a few verses, Proverbs 14, same chapter, it says, there is a path before each person that seems right. It seems like a good idea. I think this is a good idea. You know, I. I've got it under control. I think I've got this under control. It's a really good deal, honey. I promise. I know know it seems bad, but I promise it's good. This is a good thing, right? There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's death. In the end, it's not leading you where you want to go. Decisions determine your destiny. And verse 15 says this. 
I love the way they say this. Only simpletons believe everything they're told. Okay? Only simpletons, only really foolish people, only people that are very naive believe everything you're told. No credit, no problem, right? And we believe it. Oh, I don't have any credit. Oh, that's not a problem. No, that's a problem. You know, I have bad credit. That, that is a problem, okay? But they're telling you it's no problem. Only a fool believes everything they're told. Oh, it's just one time. It's not going to hurt anything. I promise. This is, it's, just one, it's a one-time thing. We're not going to do it again after this. Just one time. Or no one's going to know. No one has to know. Or the salesperson tells you, you know, we're, this is my favorite they do. They come to my house, and they're like, we're, we're, we're installing mosquito protection for five other people today, but then we're leaving, and we're not coming back. If you want to get in on it, I'm going to give you a discount if you'll do it today. Can I tell you how many times I've said, no, I'm sorry, and then two days later, guess who's knocking at my door? Same guy. He's like, man, I thought you said y'all were out of here. You're not out of here, right? But they put this pressure on us, it's got to be today. Only a simpleton believes everything that they're told, but the prudent, the wise, carefully consider their steps. Where are you in your story? What's your story? Where is your character trying to go? What's your destination? Decisions determine destiny. You have to carefully consider your steps. And in life, you know, when you're watching a movie, you can press pause. If you're reading a book, you can put the book down. And you can pause the story. My wife hates it when I pause the story because she gets so wrapped up in, in all of the moment of the story. If I'm watching a movie and something happens, it's like profound. Sometimes I will pause the movie and I'll turn to Amber and be like, you know, with this character, they're really, they did this because of this, 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 and I'm processing. I want to stop in the moment and process it. And Amber's like, can you just play the movie, please? Please, I'm trying to watch this movie. She wants to talk about it after it's over. And in life, you can't do that. You've gotta be able to pause and stop. And you especially need to do that when there's emotions involved. When you're facing an emotional decision, it will cloud your judgment. And it will make it to where you can't see the right step because you're so emotionally involved. I, most of the bad decisions I've made in my life are where I was emotionally involved. Most of the financially bad decisions I've made is where I was emotionally involved in the moment. And they're telling me, oh, you need to do this today, or I feel like I'm gonna miss out. And I want you to pay attention to that. That's, that's, a, that's a really key human element. If you feel like you're about to miss out on something, whether it's something with friends, whether it's something, you know, a financial decision, whether it's, I don't know what it is. If you have that feeling, oh, if I don't do this now, I'm going to miss it. There are times in your life you need to listen to that, but most of the time you need to press pause. Right. And you need to ask some people around you, what do you think? Is this a wise decision? You need to pray about it. You need to think about it. When you feel yourself caught up in those emotions, you need to press pause and consider your steps. The wise consider their steps. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what? I need some time to think about this. I need some time to think about this. That's one of the things I love about you, Pastor Jim, is when, you know, sometimes Pastor Jim makes a lot of decisions. In case you didn't know, there's a lot going on. And one of my favorite things he says, you know, what? I need to think about this. And he'll go and he'll think about it. 
You know, when, whenever you're used to being around people, they just make decisions here and there. And I personally, I get anxiety over decisions. And so I feel like I've got to make this decision, make decision. I've just learned it's okay to press pause. It's okay to wait. It's okay to think. And if your loved one or someone you know is going through a big decision, help them press pause. Help them sit down and consider their steps. Amen? Your decisions determine your destiny. I've just got one more verse for you. One more verse from you from from Proverbs. It says this, the wise are cautious and they avoid danger. The wise are cautious and they avoid danger, but fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. Reckless confidence. I've been that person many times, but I've learned that my decisions determine my destiny. We have to avoid danger. You need to look and say, is this decision leading me where I want to go? Is this a dangerous path? Have other people fallen down making this same decision? Do people wind up in a place that I want to be when they go down this path? Is this where I want to go? I remember when I was in college, I got to take a trip that that part of our trip was spent in Poland. It was a missions trip. And we were in Poland. And I don't speak very good Polish, in case you're wondering. Um, And they didn't speak great English either. And so I'm there with my friends and we go to get on the bus system. And the bus system in Poland is different than any other bus system I've ever been on. And we get on and we get on the wrong bus. And we wind up going to the wrong part of town. Two bus stops later is when we figured it out. And so then we got to figure out in this weird bus system that we didn't understand. It was probably just us being ignorant college students. We were trying to figure out how do we get back to where we were trying to go. We had this place we wanted to go, but we got on the wrong bus. And your decisions will do the same thing. If you do not consider where you're going, you'll wind up going anywhere. And then you'll wake up one day and realize, you know what? I'm, I'm in the wrong spot. I'm in the wrong destination. I've been making the wrong decisions. But you can find a way back. And that's what we're going to talk about in this next chapter, in this next uh, story. And I just want to, I want to ask you this question before I go into the story. What if you had paused before you made that decision? What if you had paused and considered your step and considered your destination? What if you had taken a moment just to really figure out where am I going? Why am I heading this way? Is this where I want to be? What if you started doing that? That decision that you got now, that decision that you're facing now. You know, I, I know the housing market's super crazy right now. My wife and I are like, oh, we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out. We won't want to da, 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 da. And I'm like, you know what? We just had a baby. Let's pause. <laughs> Let's think about this. I just want to encourage you, think about those decisions. And I'm not just talking about physical things. I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about things that, you know, those things that are getting you caught up and you find yourself going the wrong direction. So Jesus was a powerful storyteller. You know, we're talking about story today. Jesus actually was one of the greatest storytellers of all time, one of the greatest teachers of all time. And the reason that he was the greatest teacher is because he used a lot of stories. Now, I believe that Jesus probably spent lots of days going on long theological rants to his disciples. But you know what? They didn't write down a lot of those long theological rants in the gospels. You know what they remembered? (laughs) They remembered the stories and that's why they wrote those things down. And that's why we have those stories here today. These were like the greatest hits of Jesus. He had these stories that he would tell when he would teach. And so one of these stories is just, it might be the best story in the Bible because it reveals God's heart. And I've been studying this story for several weeks now. And as I've studied it, I feel like God's just given me more and more waves of revelation. I just want to kind of share it to you as it relates to what we're talking about today. 
So let me tell you the story. Um, there was a father who had two sons. And this guy was rich. He had a lot of lands. He had a lot of cattle. Um, he really didn't want for anything. He had a nice family and he had these two sons and these sons had an inheritance coming. And so one day the younger son says, dad, you know what? I'm a man now. I'm old enough. I want my inheritance now. And the father thought about it. I said, okay. So he divided up the inheritance between his two sons and he gave them both their inheritance. Well, a few days later, the younger son goes missing. They can't find him. Turns out he had taken all of his inheritance and he had moved to a faraway land and now he was spending it there on what Jesus calls wild living. If he saw it and he wanted it, he went after it. If you, if there, it, was, it was that thing where the fool runs in with reckless confidence. That's what this guy was doing. He was just doing anything and everything he could to fill this void of saying, I need this, I want this, I deserve this. I, and, but the problem is this, he didn't plan past the partying. <laughs> he didn't plan past the party. And so he finds himself on the brink of bankruptcy. He spent all of his dad's money on wild living. He's got all these friends that are now abandoning him because he's running out of money. And then famine hits the land. Famine means they're running out of food. So famine hits, this guy doesn't have any money and he winds up finding a job with this farmer who has some pigs. And the pigs are out in a field and he needs this guy to feed his pigs. And this guy had gotten so hungry. He'd gotten so hungry that he was watching the pigs eat. And he was thinking, man, I wish I could eat some of that because that is what I need. That's what I want right now. He had gotten to the point where he was desiring what the pigs were eating. And what's crazy is the story says that they wouldn't even let him eat that. That's how much of a famine there was. And also that's how low he had gotten in the status. He was lower than a slave. He was lower than a pig. He couldn't even eat what the pigs were eating. Isn't that crazy? And so it's in this place that this guy realizes. It says he finally came to his senses. You ever had that moment? You finally come to your senses. He realized, I've been making decisions that have been leading me all the way over here, and this is not where I want to be. When he set out with all that money, do you think that he wanted to wind up bankrupt? Do you think that he wanted to wind up lower than the pigs, estranged from his family? I don't think that that's what this guy set out for. I think he was just setting out for a good time. I think he was just setting out to have a little bit of fun. He was thinking, man, I've been cooped up my whole life. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And it's easy for us to throw stones at him, but you know what? We do that all the time. We go after what we want in the moment. We go after that thing that we think we really need, that thing that we think we deserve, and we wind up making decisions that just wrap us up, and they just they completely bind us. And we, we wound up uh, lower in a place that we never intended to be. And that's where this guy is. But he says he finally comes to his senses and he realizes, you know what? The servants at my dad's house eat better than I'm eating right now. The slaves at my dad's house are doing way better than me. So you know what? I'm gonna go home and beg him. Beg him to just let me be a slave. Let me be a servant, please. And so he practices this big, long speech, and he's got this, this speech prepared, and he's going to come in, and 
He just knows his dad is gonna be so mad. But I wanna pick up this verse and I want us to read this together. This is Luke chapter 15, verse 20. Jesus continues the story and he says this. So he returned home to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. His father saw him coming. That dad was not ignoring the fact his son was gone. That father was looking for him. He was on the front porch looking for him. And it says, while he was a long way off, the father saw him. And it says, filled with love and compassion, not anger, not malice, not judgment. It says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced his son. He kissed his son. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned. Here's his speech. He practiced the speech. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, he said, stop the speech, stop. Servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Think about that, the ring. This guy's hands were filthy. This guy was a mess. And he says, go get something. This is just for flesh. This is just to show that he's my son. Go get a ring and put some sandals on his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattening up. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So let the party begin. Amen. You may feel like you've blown it. You've thrown it all away. You've gone the wrong direction for too long and you're never gonna get back to where you wanna be and where you know you should be. But I'm here to tell you, the Father can see you from a long way off. And you think there's gonna be all these hoops you gotta jump through and you think there's gonna be all this waiting that you've gotta do to, to make up for all these bad things that you've done and all these bad decisions. But the Father says, no, go get the robe, go get the ring. You're my son, you're my daughter. And I love you, filled with love and compassion. Here's the thing. You may have written some bad chapters in your life. You may have written some bad parts of your story. And you want to just, you know, if you, if you were supposed to tell your story to your, to your daughter or your son or eventually your grandchild or maybe your future wife or your future spouse, you know, maybe, maybe you want to skip over some things because you've written some really bad parts of your story but I wanna tell you that God's ready to write a new chapter in your life. God can rewrite your story. I believe it. We just take off those rags and we put on that robe that he's given us. He wants to rewrite your story today. And I wanna quickly end this story by reading the rest of it. A lot of times we stop there, but this is the part that I really feel like God gave me a revelation on. Verse 25 says, meanwhile, the older son was working in the field. He was being a good son. He was out there working. 
like he had done for years while his little brother had ran away. While he was home, he probably heard his mom and his dad cry so many times. He saw the pain. He saw the heartache. He may have even gotten bitter at his dad. I'm here. I'm here in the house. And you're just over here crying because of this one son that ran away. Right? It says, when he returned home, the older son heard the music and the dancing in the house. I love that they were dancing in their house. It's great. And he asked one of the servants, hey, what's going on? Verse 27, the servant said, your brother is back and your father has killed the fattened calf and we're celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in. So the father hears about it and says, it comes out and he begs him. He says, and the son says this, he says, dad, all these years I've slaved for you. Think about that. He's calling himself a slave. He's not a slave. He's a son. All these years I've been slaving for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast for my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering all your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. How dare you? He sounds a little bit bitter. He sounds a little bit resentful. He sounds a little upset. And I want to tell you, maybe you have been making terrible life decisions. Maybe you haven't been squandering things, but something happened to you. Someone did something to you. A life event happened and you find yourself bitter and you find yourself resentful and you find yourself all pent up and you can't move on. And I'm telling you, eventually you're gonna find yourself in the wrong part of the story, in a destination you never meant to, not because of bad decisions you've made, but because of the indecision to move on from things that happened to you. I hate the saying. The saying is, making no decision is the same as making a decision, right? I always hate that because I love to put off decisions. But a lot of times that's the decision. And maybe that thing's hurt you and that thing's been, that thing's been really damaging your life. And you've been rotting from the inside, just like this son here. You've been rotting from the inside, but it's because you haven't decided to move on. And I know moving on isn't easy, but it starts with a step. Maybe you need to call a counselor. Maybe you need to call a therapist. Maybe you need to speak to a pastor or come down to the altar for prayer today. Maybe you need to have that moment where you say, you know, I'm, I'm ready to take a step and get rid of this rotten bitterness inside of me because I'm ready for a different story. I'm, re- I'm in the wrong story and I'm ready for a different story. Amen. Your decisions determine your destiny. And you know, the son was in the house the whole time, but he had grown so far apart from the father. He had grown so far apart from the God. I mean, it's a, it's a metaphor for God, right? We, we can spend so much, sometimes we can be at church every Sunday, we can read our Bibles and do this, but our heart still grows far and farther and farther away from God. What's fascinating, and I know I've got, I've got this, is, this is off my notes, but what's fascinating to me is the son that went and squandered everything is looking at being a servant in his dad's house as the best thing that he could possibly do. And then this other son 
who spent his life in the house with his dad looks at being a servant as the worst thing. He's declaring himself a slave. And you see one has a view of the mercy of God and the other only has a view of judgment. One is completely removed from the heart of God, but the other one gets to receive the heart of God as mercy is given to him. He will then give mercy to others. And I just wanna ask you, have you really stopped to think about what God has done for you? Because you see, God has a story too. And I'll abbreviate it for you really quick. John 3:16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that none would perish, but that all would have everlasting life. Amen. Let's stand together. What's your story? Your decisions determine your destiny. What's your story? I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come down to the front. Amen, here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna make three appeals today. I got three. And if you feel, as I'm talking, if you feel like that's me, I want you just to come on down and I want you to find somebody, one of our prayer partners, I want you to go, I want you to tell them what you want prayer for and what you're, what you're doing, what your decision is, and I want you to make that decision. I want you to pray and make a new step, okay? The first appeal is for this. You've been going the wrong direction. You've been running the wrong way, but you feel that call. You say that, you feel that pull today that says, you know what, my story doesn't have to go this way. I can do something different. God wants to rewrite your story. And I just wanna tell you, if that's you, I want you just to come down right now. If you're saying, you know what, I, I, I want to turn my life around and I wanna change that. I want you just to begin to come down to this altar and give your heart a new direction and change your story, amen? Come on, I want us to right now, I'm gonna pray for everybody that's in that situation. I know there's people in the room and as we're praying, everybody's got their eyes closed. I want you just to come down and find somebody. Don't be embarrassed, don't be ashamed. There is no shame. The Father stands, look, people are coming up, give it up. The Father stands with open arms today. Open arms today. Jesus, you see every person that feels like they've been going the wrong direction. They've been running the wrong way. And Lord, today I pray that you would call them to stop in their tracks, consider their ways. Consider their destination. Consider where they're going, Lord, and let them see the Father's heart for them is one of love and compassion with open arms ready to receive them and help them rewrite that next chapter of their story. God, I pray that you'd give us boldness to step out of those bad decisions, boldness to step out of those patterns, God, that have been hanging us up, those addictions, Lord, those addictions to drugs, those addictions to alcohol, those addictions to pornography, those addictions to, to bad relationships, Lord. I pray that you would just draw us out of those things, God. Pull us out of those things, God. Redeem us from the pit. Redeem us from the pig pen, God. Redeem us from desiring things that are not good for us, Lord. And I pray that you would just let every person here stand on a new chapter in Jesus' name. Amen. The second appeal I want to make is this. It's for that person you feel that bitterness and that resentment. You have been making terrible life decisions, but you know that you've been holding on and you haven't been moving on like you know you're supposed to. Like you know that God, what Jesus says, I can't forgive you unless you forgive others. And you've been holding on to maybe unforgiveness or maybe you're just living in depression and you're not taking those steps that you need to take to start the process. I know it's a process. It is a process, but you've got to start somewhere. If that's you, I want you just to 
come down to this altar. We're gonna pray for you. If you need to let go of something that you've been holding on to for a long time and you feel like it's eating away at you on the inside, I want you just to come down. Jesus, you see each one of us, Lord, those that are coming down now, those that are in the pew, Lord. Lord, God, I pray that you would just let that piece of us that is so hurt, that piece of us that resents maybe even resents you, God, for what, you, what it seems like you've allowed to happen in our lives, Lord. Those of us who feel hurt, those of us who feel broken, God, those of us who feel like we don't have a connection with the Father and we're just lost, but we realize we're going the wrong way today, God, I pray that you would help each person have the courage to step out, God, to take that step and that write that new chapter, God, to change their destination from one of hurt and bitterness and rage, God, in a new direction. The last appeal I wanna make, they're gonna sing a song, and if you need healing in your body, if you need any of that today, I want you to come down and get prayer with our prayer team. But I wanna make one more appeal, and that is maybe you've never met the ultimate game changer, and that's Jesus, the guy who told the story. Maybe you've never met the best storyteller and the best story rewriter of all time. Maybe you've never given your life to him. Here's what I'd love for us to do. Every, every head bow and every eye closed. You say, Andrew, I've been going the wrong way. And today I wanna give my life to Jesus. I want him to be the Lord and savior of my life. And I wanna begin a relationship with him. If that's you, I would love for you just to lift your hand right now with every head bow and every eye closed. Is there anybody here that wants to give their heart to Jesus today? Is there anybody here? Awesome, awesome. Let's pray a prayer. Look, somebody's coming home. I just saw some, a hand in here. Are those of you watching online, if that's you, just put it in the comments. I want us to pray right now. And everybody repeat this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm tired of doing this my way. Today, I choose you. Thank you for dying for me, paying for my sins. Today, I receive your sacrifice and I want to stand in new life with you in Jesus name. Amen. Come on. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. That's awesome. Awesome. If that was you, if you lifted your hand, I want you to, if you, if you can come, come down and talk with our prayer team, they'd love to pray with you. Just tell them, I just gave my life to Christ. And they're going to kind of tell you what that means, what that looks like in your life. It's a beautiful thing. At this time, we're going to sing a song. And if you need healing in your body, if you need God to do something in your life, I just want you to come down and let God begin his work in you. He'll change your story from one of, he from one of brokenness to one of healing. If you've got a story going on in your body, you're hurting, God can heal you. If you need help in your marriage and your relationship or your finances, God wants to rewrite your story this morning. Do you believe that? Amen. God bless you, Life Church. This time we're going to pray. I love you guys.